It's the M&S Monthly Podcast Show. Michael and Simon will share their best tips and secrets to provide inspiration for fellow entrepreneurs and business leaders. I hope you like the show. Let's get it started. On this month's M&S Monthly Podcast Show, we are going to be talking about our or even your sales process. In tough times, you need to get tighter on your sales activity, or some people call it your process. When people are being told to work at home, what do you do to find them, to communicate, and email liaise with them? On today's MS Monthly Podcast Show, we are going to be speaking about your sales process and what should it consist of and where should you be putting most of your energy. Hello, Simon. Hello, Michael. How are you? I'm very well. And how are you? Good. Yeah, I'm excellent. I am under pressure to get all my Christmas presents in the next uh, 10 days. <laughs> but other than that, I'm good to go. All we can say about 2021 is this. It's been tough. It's been challenging. And as we head into 2022, Simon, I think we're going to get a little bit more of what we've flavoured, what we've had in 2021. How has your year been? I think like so many other businesses, Michael, it has been tough. Uh, And the reason why it's been tough is not just because of the pandemic, but really it's been very difficult to plan, stick to that plan, implement it and see things through when at such short notice things have changed, restrictions have come in and, and businesses can't they can't operate like that. You know, the, the, the pandemic is proving catastrophic for businesses, not because of the illness that comes with it, but because of, in my personal view, the lack of government foresight and uh, knee jerk reactions. Uh, and, you know, as businesses, we face the brunt end of that, don't we? I feel very sorry for many businesses, many people listening whose business has really suffered as a result of having the rug pulled at the last minute, and especially in the hospitality sector, again, facing the brunt of it, doing all they can, but not getting any kind of real proper support in the form of forward thinking. Uh, and But you know, we have to soldier on, and that's what we do, isn't it, as entrepreneurs and business owners? I think this is probably the toughest trading period in the history of mankind other than during wartime. And I I think we have to just keep going, keep going and keep pushing forward. I do agree with that. Although business, you need to be nimble. You need to be flexible and you need to strengthen when you need to strengthen when the time is right. No more so than this year. It does come down to your plan. 
But what are the things that you strongly recommend should go into a plan when it needs to change overnight? Well, one of the things that we've done with businesses over the years, Michael, which is an old model, but a really good tried and tested model is a SWOT analysis. Yeah, Um, because I think with a SWOT analysis, you're looking at your current um, strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. Um, And you're also starting to look at future opportunities and threats. And if you do that well, and I would at the moment suggest business owners do an exercise like that at least once a quarter or or when they see something significant happening, like the response to this Omicron variant, it's the right time to sit down and think, gosh, you know, what are our potential weaknesses if we go into a lockdown? What? How can we overcome some of these challenges? And within that plan, start building as many contingencies as we can. And the, the main contingency, I think, is to acknowledge that there's also an impact on our clients. And if we can be seen as the business that's showing ways in which we can support our own clients during challenging periods, then I think those are the businesses that will um, get through. Throughout 2021, Simon, what have been your lessons specifically? The main lesson for me has been the need to make sure that we are flexible, as you've said, that we are nimble, that we plan in a way that we can think about a number of different scenarios. There's another good model called a force field analysis where you can scenario plan for your business and say, in this situation, we might take this action. In another situation, we might take a different action just to get ourselves into a place whereby we can respond sensibly and with well thought through plans and ideas. So biggest lesson for me is understanding that we can pivot our business if we've considered the different scenarios on which, you know, the business is trading and and the economy and where the economy is going. So based on the lesson you've just shared with our listeners today, what will you be doing differently next year? We are growing significantly at the moment. So I think that the thing we need more than anything else in a period of growth Uh, is to make sure we've got good systems because it's causing us various challenges, especially impact on my time and the amount of time I'm needed in the business at the moment. So acquiring the right systems, implementing those systems to take away a lot of the manual work that we have to do, and also bringing in good people. You know, we've outsourced a number of things now from, you know, our marketing, our social media, to people who really know what they're doing. I think the thing for me is to make sure that we identify within our business, what are our strengths, not just the strength of the business, but our individual strengths as owners and employees of the business, and identifying any gaps and outsourcing those gaps 
and making sure that our team and I are playing to our strengths as much as we can. It sounds a very positive outlook from your perspective, Simon. And during this pandemic, you were growing. So when did you do your SWOT analysis or what special ingredient has given you the opportunity to grow your business through one of the toughest years in history? Yes, Michael, I think for us, you know, we are my my business is a coaching organization. We coach entrepreneurs, executives and teams. And we were pretty hung up on the fact that that needed to be face to face. But the pandemic came along and it forced us down the route of looking at remote coaching. We've built software to enable that to happen so the client can map and track their progress with their coach. I think we've been helped and supported with companies like Zoom, who have invested hundreds of millions, I think, into their platforms to make them so user friendly. And, you know, a Zoom call like we're having now, it almost feels like you're in the room with me. It's good enough that we can see each other's whites of the eyes. We can see the body language. It's not the perfect replacement for face-to-face, but it's a good replacement. And it means now that for my company, we can coach anyone in the world from anywhere in the world. And that's a new dynamic for us. That's totally new. And it's opened up the whole world really to us for in respect of coaching and coaching support. So therefore, have you found during the pandemic, your clients have not really understood what they should be doing up until now. They've been running to the hills, they've been panicking, and they need a coaching organization like yours to see them through these tough times. So what have been your client stories this year? Well, I think like most changes that take place in the economic cycle, uh, we've got three groups of clients. You know, we've got those clients who have actually really grown. They've benefited in many respects. They've had the kind of product or service that people need and want at this time. And their biggest challenge has been, how do we manage this growth? Where are the people? You know, they need more people. They can't find them. They need better systems. And they're they're having challenges putting them into play. So they're being stretched But in a way, that's a nice problem to have because at other end of the scale, there are many businesses who have really suffered. We're starting to see quite high numbers of business failure. And that must be heartbreaking for, you know, for some people who have put their life's work and savings into their business. And then there's that third group who are, as you describe, really struggling can't make head nor tail of it, don't really know where to turn next, would really value insights and support from people who are in the game like we are. We understand the world of business and we're working with many, many different companies in different sectors. So they'd like that help and support. I think their challenge often is knowing where to go to find it. You know, who do I contact if I need some help and support? 
And uh, I would direct a lot of people to the Chambers of Commerce because they're pretty much in touch with what government funded supports out there, what grants are out there, and also what advice and guidance is out there as well. I was in Coventry over the weekend, Simon, and what really surprised me, or maybe not surprised me, was the amount of retail shops that were empty. And probably this time last year, they were thriving in the lead up to Christmas. So what we've got is a lot of people probably losing their job right now. A lot of shops, retail sites that are empty. And if they are being filled up, people are using them for very creative methods of doing business a new way. And certainly we need to be doing business a new way right now. So based on the people in your network and the fact that there are so many shops, retail units up and down the country that are empty, what sort of business would you put in to one of these medium-sized units right now? Oh, that is a good question, Michael. I'd have to go away in a dark room somewhere and find out the answer to that. I, You know, I think the biggest challenge right now for the poor retail businesses, and particularly in major cities, is when you have a government, and I am going to put the blame firmly here at the government, but when a government comes up with a stay-at-home policy, then you're basically shutting down that city and you're putting it on lockdown. No business can survive that, not for any sustained length of time, let alone a time and time and time again. And we know this virus is here and it's here to stay. You can't run an economy, you can't run a business, you can't run a city centre based on decisions like that. We have to be more creative in our thinking instead of adopting the one size, one piece of advice that we get. We only get one piece of advice and it always seems to be locked down uh, to me. And I think we need to be much more creative because I don't know how you would possibly even contemplate opening a retail outlet in a centre at the moment. Um, And the double whammy, of course, is you've got rates to pay, whereas the Amazons of this world don't have these costs and overheads and i don't think there's equilibrium the world has moved on and i think we have to look at our city centers and 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 see the challenges that these businesses are facing they have rates they have car parking so people don't want to pay they can't park their car they've got car parking charges just to just to go in so it's stifling the use of the high street and then when you lock people down from work and say stay at home Uh, I I think it is a massive, massive challenge. I'm not sure I would even contemplate it right now. Okay, I understand that point completely. There's one part of that point that I think you missed, and it's a big one. The lack of good movement, the supply chains around the world right now, Mm. with the raw cost material on the increase, with inflation at a high at the moment, I think the production, the supply of goods that people want will also be difficult to trade in these times. 
Yeah, yeah. I was heartened at the King's Summit that we had a few months ago when I heard the story of a business who's now opened his sixth shop in city centres. And I was really heartened by that. And it's a cake shop. And, and, you know, people are buying cake. (laughs) Uh, And and what's really interesting about that is that uh, they're really booming. So people are making the effort to go in and purchase cakes. Perhaps maybe there's more at home parties. Children's parties are at home now. And, and maybe that's a particular sector that's doing well. When you think about when we're at home, what things do we need that we wouldn't buy online? And if we can find those products and services, then there's a good business. That's the argument for being nimble, being flexible, and being creative. So to our listeners, that if you're looking to be your own boss, to become an entrepreneur, be nimble, be flexible, be creative, and go where you see the gap is. You know, every time I jump on the southeastern train from London to my hometown, Simon, I hear a loudspeaker on the train station, and it always says, please mind the gap. As entrepreneurs, we need to fill the gap with our creative flair. So the first part of this podcast show today was to talk about the real life, the real questions, the real struggles that we've had during 2021. In the second part, I want to go on and talk about the sales process what should be the sales process and what should you be putting into your plan to make sure that you're winning clients, you're selling the clients more and you're keeping them. So Simon, how important is your sales process right now? Our sales process, Michael, is like the air we breathe. We cannot survive as a business without a really good, strong, robust sales process. And our sales process also has to be nimble and flexible because if we keep a rigid process when the world is ever changing, and it's never changed so much, has it, than in the last two years, uh, then we'll get stuck. So I think it's one of those things for us that it's our sales process is constantly keeping us on our toes. We're looking at it almost daily. Is this working? Is that working? Is this bringing the number of inquiries or leads uh, that we wanted? What's our conversion rate? You know, what's our penetration rate? It's really fascinating how you know, you you start to analyze it and you need to be able to analyze it to know whether or not it's doing what it should be doing. You know, I was watching a documentary on BBC One uh, the other night and some poor fella was having a heart attack and the lady on the switchboard, the ambulance service said, right, let's do the CPR. And I thought, oh, this is quite interesting. This is like the sales process I use. Conversion, penetration, retention. So what is your understanding 
of conversion? Yeah, so conversion comes, uh, well, it starts with the fact that you've got a lead. So assuming that you've got someone who's interested in your business, they've made an inquiry, maybe they've either walked into your shop or they've filled in the form on your website or phoned you up or contacted you through LinkedIn. Any number of sources can bring you that opportunity for a conversion. The key thing then is what do you do with it? For me, the number one factor that we need to ask ourselves is how quickly do we respond to those opportunities? Speed is the essence. If someone's made that inquiry, the likelihood is that they're not just inquiring of you. They're inquiring of your competitor as well. Anybody worth their salt will get one or two or three quotes for anything that they're looking for. So they're inquiring of you. Make the assumption they're inquiring of your competitor. The first person to the post is more likely, in my view, to win that business because it gives you the opportunity to make a good first impression that sticks. So for me, the conversion lies in the speed of response, how quickly we're able to communicate back with that client or that prospect, because they're not a client just yet, are they? So communicating back with that prospect. And then the second part is to really understand what they need. Because often, certainly in my business, what prospects are asking for isn't always what they need. Sometimes we don't actually know what we need. We're just looking around to try and find some answers. And if we can make sure that then we are spending time with that prospect, asking the right questions so that we're able to provide them with the right solution, they are much more likely to convert with speed of response and the right solution. So your company has grown during a pandemic, Simon. So Mm -hmm. arguably your conversion process has been working. What has been that method that you've used and when did you start using it? Okay, so we decided that our conversion process wasn't working initially and that the answer to that was to bring in some help. We recruited a marketing lady who's still with us and because we wanted somebody to have, if you like, the sole responsibility for this. It's too valuable to try and do it yourself or to give it to people that have also got other tasks and other jobs. So we identified that it needed somebody's full focus that made a difference because straight away the speed of response came into play and the second area was we needed a system you know if a lead came in where does it go what happens to it you know because you can respond quickly by phoning the client for example but then you can't get hold of the client how do you make sure that we know that and that we're following up quickly, or we're finding other means to connect with the client 
with the prospect. So we use a system called um, Pipe Drive, which I think is a Google system now. Uh, very low cost, very useful. I know a lot of clients who use it and use other systems like Trello and, and other applications, HubSpot, um, I think. Uh, so, so it's important you have a sales tracking system as well so that when those leads come in, you can put them into your pipeline and then management of that pipeline is essential. That has been the key area where we've improved our conversion rate. I would say, though, that I'm not happy with our conversion rate. You know, we need to still keep doing a lot of work to convert given the number of inquiries we have. We're very happy with the number of inquiries we get, but um, the percentage to conversion is not where we want it to be right now. So that needs a lot more work. And I'm I'm sure that's something that a lot of listeners might resonate with. They may not even know what is your conversion rate, you know, and, and how can it be better? What's the expected industry conversion rate for your sector? Because there is this kind of data out there when you do the research. So we've looked at that and we want to improve it. So what do you think is not working? Well, we picked up this really good book, Michael, and I was just trying to search my bookshelf for it. It's on there somewhere, but it's actually called The Nuclear Effect. If I can remember the author's name, I will quote it. If it comes to me, I'll throw it in there later on. But The Nuclear Effect. And the really brilliant thing about The Nuclear Effect is it, it really challenges you. It certainly challenged us as a business uh, because of the language it was using. It was using language like, what's your unfair advantage? What it means by that is you have a, a market advantage, but it's so good. It's so far away from your competitors that it's almost unfair on them. <laughs> So it made us really think about, you know, what are the key ingredients of our offer that make it an unfair advantage almost not to take it? You know, if you don't take this, you've got an unfair advantage. We, 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 or we have an unfair advantage over you. And therefore, what happens is you make the proposition in such a way that it's a no-brainer for the client. The, the challenge we also have, and, and this is what was highlighted in this book, is many of us have got great products and great services, but it's not always the products that people buy. It's actually the wrapping. You know, people go, if you think of a toy shop or a bookshop or something like that, you're looking for a book. You don't know who to read. You're going to choose any author. You look at the cover and it's the cover that attracts your attention. Maybe it's the packaging of the toy that attracts your attention. So we were asking ourselves the question, we've got a great product, but how do we present it in such a way that it looks like it's got a lovely wrapper and a bow on it? Because if it's got a wrapper and a bow, people like it, they like that, they're more likely to buy it. Of course, they're expecting a great product inside, 
And our product is a service, actually. They're expecting a great service. But how do we present it in such a way that it's extremely attractive? It has a wrapper and a bow. And that's where we've been really trying to shape our thinking over the last year or so to the point where we're probably going to bring in a brand specialist to help us to to really understand how do you how do you package something so that it looks like a complete no-brainer and when it's tested uh, as our service is often tested because people are using it all the time it has that um, authenticity to it that people know they've made the right decision simon at the outset you said you've had your best year yet growing the business but at the same time you've just said that you haven't packaged it and made it glossy made it shiny so is that the one reason why you've grown so fast and if you did grow fast are you beating yourself up and you shouldn't be Well, you know, I think as as ambitious entrepreneurs, yeah, we are always looking for ways to improve our business, yeah? We're always looking for um, the the next step, yeah? We're never going to settle for where we are now, and I'm not going to settle for where we are now. I want to build this business. I don't know what's going to happen with that this pandemic i don't know what's going to happen with our government look at what's happening in europe at the moment it's actually quite frightening and i want to make sure that if we have a window of opportunity for growth we must explore that and exploit that window as much as we can and make sure that we grow our business when it's in a growth season It might come a time when there's a time to consolidate our business. It's not right now. Right now, the growth opportunity is there. We must explore it with every effort. You know, the amount of books I read in the research that I conduct every single week, they say, never rely on your memory. Always write it down. So I really encourage our listeners to use tools like Salesforce, Pipedrive, any CRM system that captures conversations. So the question to you, Simon, you mentioned that you had a marketing person on board using Pipedrive. How much of your time is dedicated to manage the process and to manage the conversations that are taking place each day, each week, each month. Because if it's not written down, you're probably going to forget it. Mm, yeah, it's very true. And that is the beauty of systems like Pipedrive, uh, because you know every conversation with the clients go straight in there. So if I wanted to look up where we are with a particular client, I can see when the last conversation took place and I can see what was said. And the other great thing about systems like that is you can put diary notes in to remind you that you said that you would phone the client at midday next Monday. And that, you know, that's classic about where it goes wrong for many businesses because that gets lost there is no follow-up 
or we don't make the call at midday when we promised. And immediately the client or the prospect is not in a good place. You know, an old boss used to say to me, and I think I've quoted this on the MS show before, Michael, in that uh, two things happen with our brand every time someone interacts with us. And that it's only one of two things. There is no middle ground. Either your brand reputation gets enhanced or it gets diminished. And if you make that call at midday on Monday, as you promised, and the client picks up the phone expecting your call and thinking, wow, they've actually phoned me back when they said they would, your brand is enhanced. If you if you make that call at half past 12, when they were expecting you to call at 12, immediately you're on the back foot. Your brand is diminished. We had a, a visit here at the house for some new windows. We need some new windows at the front. And the appointment was booked. I was expecting him at midday. I had a Zoom call at one o'clock. He arrived at 12.35. He's on the back foot with me as far as I'm concerned, because I don't have the time now to ask the questions I wanted to ask. And he had to run around the house and measure up the windows and disappear off and send me a quote. But what are the chances now of me signing up with that business? And it's, so it's so important that we work on the enhancement of our brand. What do you need to do? to enhance your brand and the experience of prospects and clients from interacting with you. Couldn't agree more. Always be selling, always be putting your front foot forward. And remember, Simon, nothing moves until something is sold. That's just one part of the podcast sales process today, Simon. Let's move on to the second part of the sales process. Now, I call this penetration, P, trying to get more once you've won the client. So in your business, how do you leverage your client to sell them more? Can I just say one thing, Michael? You may. <laughs> before, before we get onto the subject of penetration, I really like your saying. I've got it on my wall here. You you taught me this little saying, and this relates going back to conversion. Yes. And it is this. I think it's a brilliant saying. Everybody should have it on their wall. Everything I touch turns to sold. I love that because, of course, the pun is gold. And gold only comes when people have bought your product. They're paying you in gold. Yes. Um, and so everything I touch turns to, to sold is a great mentality when you're looking at conversion. Um, penetration. You're going to have to remind me what the question was now on penetration. It's quite a simple question. You've won the client. You've done all the hard work. You've built the relationship. They're now buying from you. How do you specifically sell more to your clients in your business right now? Because this is where the profit or the client becomes profitable. You probably won the client on low-hanging fruit, cheap products, maybe, easy to supply. But now we want to start up 
selling the client to be yeah. given more value, more reward, and actually cementing the relationship because the relationship is key. Because I believe no one buys from people they don't like or they trust. And actually, when I say like, I mean like the person. They trust the person. They do what they say they're going to do. They turn up on time. And you know what? I think this is the one thing that is missing today. Too many people break promises. They say they will do this. They turn up late. They say they will do that. They ignore you. This is arguably where a lot of business, I believe, goes wrong. So what do you sell more to your clients once you've won them, Simon? Well, Michael, for me, the key to it all, of course, is that the client is in a place where your service is being enhanced. They, they, they are constantly thinking, I like these guys. I like the service. Uh, I think the challenge for many businesses is that your clients just simply don't know what you do. They know they know the bit they've bought from you, but they don't know about all the other things that you do. And the most important thing for me is making sure that we've got a means of communicating with clients. You know, rarely do clients um, really trawl your website to see everything that you do, especially when they've bought from you. It really needs us to be more proactive than that. And that can be in many shapes and sizes. It can be vouchers showing, you know, you've bought X, you could have a discount on Y. It could be newsletters. It could be uh, brochures, um, either e-versions or hardback versions. Uh, it's, uh, it, I think it's a, the issue is communication. Are we communicating regularly with our clients so that they know exactly what we do and how we're doing it? Are we putting testimonials out there that say that, you know, these guys are wonderful, they do X, and now we're using them for Y, we're even more satisfied. So it is a challenge, especially if you have a whole range of products. I learned a very good technique from Peter Thompson. I'll give you the credit, Peter, if you're listening, um, which he calls the magic matrix, which is to create a grid where on the top axis, you have literally every single product that you sell. Or if you sell too many, then let's say your top 10 most profitable products. And then down the, the other side, you have every single client. So what you then see is company A is using product one, three, and six. Company B is using product one and 10. Company C is only using product one, for example. And then what you start to see is the scale of the opportunity. And it might be that quite a number of products uh, quite a number of clients are not using product number nine, for example, but product number nine is one of your most profitable products. And therefore, going out with that product on a sale or a special offer or an invitation only is a very good strategy to start ticking that um, and more clients moving into it. I think not enough work is done on really identifying 
what where do we make the most money on the products and the services that we offer and right now we need to be profitable there's real pressure on supply chains prices are going up i was with one client uh, two clients actually last week to give you an idea um, one client was quite nervous about putting some price rises in for next year and decided to put 3% price rise. My other client is in a different part of the country, but a similar sector. They're putting in a 15% price rise. They'd already done it and they've not had a single complaint back about that fifth because people are expecting prices to go up. So I've gone back to my other client to say, are you sure about your 3% because it seems to me that you might put a 3% price rise in but if you get a 20% price increase on your your supplies you're going to be in trouble and here's a company that's gone for 15% and not had any adverse feedback so i think it's important that we consider all these issues i think it's true that in 2022 we are going to see price increases right across the board we're already seeing it in the supermarket by the price inflation that we're seeing there and i can't recommend enough to our listeners today simon now's the time to do your spot analysis let's see where the strengths the weakness the opportunities are in your business and communicate it with your team because if you want to go fast, you go on your own. If you want to go further, and this is the time we need to want to go further, go with your team. The last part of the sales process I want to speak to you about today is retention. So let's have a quick recap. We've won the client. We're now selling more to the client those profitable lines or those profitable services that make us the most profit in most cases or the most valuable to our clients. The last part is retention. Personally, I think all too often, business does not put enough emphasis on this area because they're either great at converting winning leads, they're great at selling additional services, but what do you do when the people fall out of the funnel at the bottom? And it's the most expensive acquisition you will do to win a client. And the, the most cost-effective practice to keep them on board by doing the simple, simple things that probably we're already doing it. We're just not putting enough focus in the areas of the business that need the most attention. So, Simon, how do you retain your clients? There's a big, big answer here, Michael. I'm just trying to find a way of keeping it short, but I want it to be really helpful to people right now. And it's quite controversial. Uh, I think that too much effort goes in here. This is controversial, okay, from my perspective. Um, and the reason why I say that is you don't want to retain all your clients. 
Okay. <laughs> Why do I say that? Uh, we did this brilliant exercise when I was in NatWest once called Managing Local Markets. And what Managing Local Markets did was it segmented our customer base and it identified what we call our A, B, C, and D clients. Our A clients, it goes back to this theory that 20% of your clients are generating you 80% of your profit. Those are your A clients. You cannot afford to lose them. You need a really good retention strategy for them. That's the retention part of the business I was referring to. Okay, but the challenge for a lot of businesses is they they put a retention strategy in that tries to retain everyone. And what I'm saying is there's probably 20% of your clients that are costing you money. Yeah, they don't like price rises. They use you a lot. They complain. They don't buy what you want them to buy. They're costing you a lot of time and energy and effort. I wouldn't I would actually have the opposite of a retention strategy for those clients. I mean, and actually what you need is a penetration strategy to upsell to them to make them more valuable. And if they're not going to be more valuable, then, you know, don't provide that level of service anymore. Um, too many clients, too many companies are offering the first class service to the people in the economy seats. And that's not going to help your business. You need to identify who are in the first class seats, provide the first class service and have a strong retention strategy for those clients. Everyone else in my view, fits into a penetration strategy and it's penetrating and upselling to those clients to keep them. And there will be clients that you should look at and and actively either manage up or manage out. And I think that is such a great place to end our podcast show this week, this month, Simon. To our listeners listening to this very end-of-year special podcast, we recommend you look into your sales process. Do your SWOT analysis and turn your sales into efficient profits because I would agree with your last statement, Simon, completely focus on the companies that are working with you rather than against you in always challenging price increase, always challenging the small things. Because sometimes the smaller companies want a first-class service that they shouldn't be getting. So it all comes down to doing your SWOT analysis. If you need help, I'm sure Simon can be contacted to understand your SWOT analysis and give you some meat to put on the bone. How can our listeners hear about you, Simon? They can go through my website, Michael, which is simonteague.com. Just fill in the contact form or just send me an email to Simon at simonteague.com. 
and I'm more than happy to help people and sit down with them and uh, and and you know help them move their business forward in 2022. And in the meantime, I wish all our listeners and you, Michael, a wonderful, wonderful Christmas and a very successful 2022. Today's show has been sponsored by www.teameasycrane.co.uk. We help you build your business and grow recurring profits. Thank you so much for listening and don't forget to hit the subscribe button. You have been listening to the M&S Monthly Podcast Show with Michael and Simon. If you have enjoyed listening today, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes so you never miss an episode.